Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Quick correction, I am speaking with Coach Drew Flouting. I apologize that I mispronounced his name on this podcast. Anyway, back to the show. Welcome, and again, thank you so much for listening to us on whatever platform you are listening on. Uh, This is the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and like the intro said, I am Mike Hernandez. Uh, Real quick, I want to thank all of you who left uh, five-star reviews on iTunes. Those are really appreciated, and it does help us reach more coaches, which is the whole purpose of of this podcast existing. Uh, For this episode, we're going to be focusing on AAU basketball, which is always a hot-button issue. Uh, But we're going to specifically talk about coaching an AAU team the right way, doing AAU correctly. Uh, And to do that, it's my pleasure to have Coach uh, Drew Fladoon with me. How are you today, Coach? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for spending some time to to talk about this issue because I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on it. So uh, so I'm really happy to be able to hear your uh, perspective on on AAU basketball specifically and how to do it right. But uh, before we get into that, like I want to do with all of my guests, Coach, I want to introduce you and let the listener know your journey and your basketball journey and where the game has taken you, uh, where it is that you're at, where it is you've been, and where it is is you are right now. So uh, Coach, I want to go and uh, explain your, your journey to us? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I started um, actually coaching uh, boys middle school basketball at a small Catholic school here in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, when I was actually 17 years old. Um, it's something that I knew I always wanted to get into. You know, I was passionate about the game. Um, I went to a really big high school here in Cincinnati, Moeller High School, um, and did not get the opportunity to play varsity basketball. Um, but I did get to participate uh, in high school as a student coach for the basketball program. Um, and anybody from the Cincinnati area knows, you know, Moeller's a, a prestigious program, you know, a, a coach with with hundreds of wins. Um, and I really got to see the coaching aspect rather than the playing aspect. Um, and I knew that that was something that, that I wanted to do. Um, I got hired uh, when I was... 22 um, to coach at a small girls, well, it's a, a small public school here in Cincinnati, Madeira High School, um, as a seventh grade coach uh, for their girls basketball program at Madeira. Um, and then the next year, I was promoted to a varsity assistant within that staff at the high school level, uh, was there for four years. We went to three district finals. Um, and then the year after, I went uh, and took a job as a varsity assistant at a large all-girls private school here in Cincinnati, Mercy McCauley. Um, I was there for one year. We won a district championship there. And then uh, my fiance and I moved to the other side of Cincinnati, um, and I took a job as a varsity assistant at West Claremont High School, uh, which is one of the biggest biggest schools here uh, in the state of Ohio. There's 2,600 kids. Uh, at the high school. So I'm a varsity assistant there and I'll be in my second year uh, this coming year as the varsity assistant for the girls program there. Great. So a lot of experience, a a lot of things that that you've done and a lot of uh, places that you've been. And uh, like you, I started coaching at at age 22. So definitely get, get getting right into it and starting your coaching journey right away, which kind of leads into my next question. uh, Because you are still with your experience uh you are still a young coach relatively speaking um and so i want to kind of get into that because you've had all this experience and you've had all this success but still uh you are a young coach and you're somebody who went right right into it and you went right into coaching right away uh at a young age and so for those listening who might also be interested in doing that and might also be interested in kind of jumping right into coaching maybe after their playing days are done or maybe they didn't play that much, but the game always interested them and they just kind of want to jump right into coaching. Um, What advice would you give to somebody who's kind of looking to jump right into coaching at a young age? Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny when I started coaching, you know, I had really high aspirations. I knew that I wanted to coach uh, at the high school level. 
Um, and I was always told, you know, well, you don't have any playing experience. You know, you don't have any high level. You didn't play in college. So you're behind the eight ball as it starts. Um, and that kind of motivated me. I knew it was something I wanted to do. I was fortunate enough to get in with a, uh, a seventh grade uh, girls team at a public school here in Cincinnati where you practice six days a week. And it's, it's, it's an extension of the high school program. Um, and I got into that because I actually interned for the athletic director at Madeira when I was in college, majoring in sport management. Um, so I had that relationship and he kind of gave me an opportunity. Um, but, you know, I would say jump right in um, and make yourself indispensable. You know, when I was coaching that seventh grade team, uh, I'll never forget it. We practiced from 3.30 to 5, uh, Monday through Friday. And I work a, a full-time Monday through Friday job, 7 to 3. Um, so, you know, I have nights free and things like that. And I called the varsity coach of the girls team at the, the school I was coaching at. And I asked, hey, can I just come to your practice? They practice 5.30 to 7.30. You know, so we went 3.30 to 5. High school was after from 5.30 to 7.30. And I said, you know, if anything, I just want to watch and see what you guys do so I can implement that with the seventh graders. Or can I, you know, be a rebounder or do whatever you, whatever you need, you know, anything that you want. I'll wipe, you know, I'll come dust the floor. I'll come, you know, get you water, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, that you need. I just wanted to be a part of that high school program, and I was very fortunate to coach under a coach that that was receptive to that. Um, and then that kind of grew. You know, I kind of became the the grunt worker, um, and that kind of extended to, you know, you can come scouting with us. You know, it it's a it's a thing that not a lot of coaches you know really prefer to do on their off nights is go watch games, and I became that guy. You know, you know, go handle the scouting report. Um, for the high school level, and then that kind of grew and grew and grew um, into becoming a, a full-time varsity assistant the next year. So, like I said, it was it was long days, you know, four hours of practice a day between the right. seventh grade group and the, the varsity group, but, you know, it's something that you have to do. And then I would say, you know, networking goes a long way, too. You know, always be asking to be involved in opportunities in basketball wherever you can, wherever you can get in. You know, if somebody needs an extra an extra set of hands to help run a camp or if somebody needs, you know, some supervision to, to host an open gym or anything like that, you know, just getting your name out there and, and being visible and and doing, you know, the work that not necessarily anybody else wants to do um, in terms of a high school coaching staff or a college coaching staff. That's that's what I did. And, you know, I will say I'm very lucky. I kind of fell into a lot of situations at the right place at the right time. Um, you know, you always need a little bit of luck to be successful, especially in this business. But, you know, like I said, just making yourself, you know, indispensable and, and continue to do those little things as much as you can and show that you're you're invested. It goes a long way. Well, I, I absolutely agree with that. There's there's a couple of things, too, that I really just want to emphasize about what you said. Like, if you want to coach, then go coach. <laughs> there, there are opportunities out there. There are places uh, that you can definitely lend a hand and, and be a, a help. I mean, especially at the high school level, you know, there's very few coaches that I can think of who would say no to somebody who's willing to help, like, even like you said, rebound or scout or do those mm -hmm. things. And then, you know, as you mentioned about networking, if, if you're enthusiastic, which it sounds like you were, if you were enthusiastic and you genuinely wanted to be there, uh, uh, every coach that I know will put in a good word for somebody like that. And so that kind of helps, like you said, with building that network and building those connections. But yeah, you do have to put yourself out there. And it's great to hear from your perspective as somebody who didn't necessarily play at a high level that you that you were able to still have all those opportunities just because of the work that you were putting uh, willing to put in. So yeah, that that's great. So like I said, our topic today is is about AAU and more specifically about running an AAU program the right way, coaching it the right way, and making sure that the players in that AAU program are getting what they need uh, and, and what they should be getting out of it. So like I said, I'm really excited to jump into this. So to get started, uh, for for some people, AAU, uh, they view it almost as like a Wild West where there's a wide variety of successful and unsuccessful teams and also at the same time, uh, perhaps a wide variety of qualified and, and maybe unqualified coaches as well. So what do you think your AAU program, your team has done to be successful that other coaches who might be looking to start or for players who might be looking to join an AAU program can learn from? 
Sure. Yeah. So I am the coach of the top team for the girls Cincy Swish uh, AAU program here in Cincinnati. Um, I've been there for five years now, um, and we've put 55 girls uh, playing in college the last four years. Um, so, you know, the, the term AAU, anywhere you go is always going to have some negative, um, you know, you know, aura about it, depending on who you talk to. Um, but I would say, you know, the way that we do it is we are focused on what's important. We have a really good system um, in terms of, you know, in junior high, and I would say even your freshman year of high school, we are big emphasizing uh, skill development. You know, AAU at the high school level, everybody is worried about exposure and, you know, high dollar this and playing for a team with a Nike sponsorship and all this and that. Um, but starting at an early age with those seventh and eighth grade teams and even freshman year, you know, unless you're an elite power five type player as a freshman, chances of you getting, you know, big time recruited are, are not great. So we really use that year as a transition year within our program to say, hey, work on your skill development, adjust to the speed of high school basketball to begin with. You know, you're playing a full high school season. We'll get you the summer after your freshman year. But focus on, you know, junior high basketball to high school basketball is, a, is an unbelievable jump. You know, some kids that, especially in the Catholic schools around here, you know, your junior high kids might practice two days a week for an hour on, you know, half a court that they're splitting with somebody else. Right. You know, you're, and then you jump to high school where it's six days a week, three games a week, two hours a day, lifting, conditioning. That jump is something that we, we don't take lightly. Um, so emphasizing that skill development at a, at a young age. And then, you know, I would say sophomore and junior year, that's when you worry about your, your exposure um, and trying to get recruited if that's something that, that you want to do. Now, around here, the most successful programs, I would say, they emphasize developing an identity. So if your identity as a program is just to be a place where kids can go to play to make sure that they're continuing to play, um, you know, stay in the gym, work hard to improve for their high school team. That's great. But don't sell it as, hey, come play here. We'll take your money. We're this big, you know, exposure program that's going to get you to play in college when you don't necessarily have that experience. I would say that's probably the biggest misnomer, at least in the Cincinnati area, mm -hmm. is you have so many different AU programs that are starting up all over the place. And you kind of look at them and, you know, they're selling themselves as you come here to play, you know, we'll get you a college scholarship. And, and the track record shows that that's that's not always true. Um, but there are some great AU programs around here that don't don't, you know, identify themselves as that. They say, hey, we are a team to get together, practice three times a week, play in local tournaments and just, you know, improve your skills so that you can become a better player. Um, now, with the Cincy Swish, we kind of have a little bit of both. We have a top team that's sponsored by Blue Star um, that is, you know, strictly in it for the, the college exposure type. It's meant for kids that are going to play at the next level, but we also have opportunities for kids that just want to be in a gym. So establishing that identity um, and focusing on what's important, especially when it comes to age of the players, I think is what we've done a good job of. And then at the end of the day, success sells itself. You know, we have a track record of putting kids playing in college um, at the next level. And that's something that, that people want to be around. And they see that we can, when you can put a list of 55 players on the table to a prospective kid and say, you know, these are all kids that played for our program. These are the college connections that we have that that goes a long way itself, but, you know, establishing that identity and not, not misleading anybody. Um, I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble, uh, especially around here is, is selling a false product or misleading or, or being in it for the wrong reasons, you know, trying to get exposure in seventh and eighth grade and things like that. Well, it makes a lot of sense to me about, about having an identity because you want to make sure that in your position as, as an AAU coach and as an AAU program that you are uh, 
selling yourselves the right way and you're making sure that those who are interested in joining your program know exactly what they're going to be getting out of it. And like you said, if you have the identity that, hey, we get together and this is going to help you uh, improve in high school, that you're not you're not selling any any false narrative or, or saying anything that isn't necessarily true. And then perhaps if you find that you're able to develop that AAU program uh, in terms of the players are getting better in high school, maybe then it leads to something more where we're it's helping put those players through to college. Is Am I correct in thinking that? You can kind of build Absolutely. your identity up that way? Absolutely. And that's kind of exactly what we did with Cincy Swish. You know, we started, anytime you start a program from scratch, unless you have, you know, high level college connections or something like that, or a former player or even a college assistant on your staff, you know, it's going to be very hard to compete in today's market because you're just another, you know, AU program. You know, you don't have a track record. You don't have that reputation. We started as a very, you know, mild, just get kids to come out and play. And it kind of built from there. Our 2020 class was kind of our, our coming out party, if you will. We had 18 kids on two teams um, and 17 of them went on, are going on to play at the next level. You know, they really did a good job at, at building that program. And another thing I'll, I'll say is, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, what not to do and why AU kind of gets a bad rap. And and a lot of uh, a lot of advice that I give is don't just have teams for the sake of of having teams. You know, it's great to get you know seven hundred nine hundred dollars per kid that they have to play to to you know pay to play for your program. But you know, at the end of the day, we talked about the that disparity of there's so many really good teams and then there's you know some not so good teams and why is there such a wide margin in the AU world um you know not having 30 teams in your program you know goes a long way if you keep it to where you can be competitive you can have good coaches with good skill development and you're not just adding teams for the sake of having numbers and and having an income you know that goes a long way as well yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense is, is not only the identity, but 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 the purpose and not, not just having teams for the sake of having teams and, and having something that uh, just gets diluted to the point where it's it's just all over the place. Absolutely. I mean, that that, that makes sense to me. Um, uh, kind of going along with that theme of concerns or, or reasons why uh, AAU gets a bad rap is one of the things I hear a lot of the time is that uh, AAU basketball, all it is is games and the players are never learning skills and they're never practicing. Um, and so because of that, because they're playing all the time, that they're not even that competitive because they just play all these games and they lose meaning. That's one of the concerns that I hear often. So I wanted to address that with you about um, how, how is your program? How's the Cincy Swish? How are they able to uh, still practice effectively, kind of develop players effectively, and also just stay hungry and still compete and want to be successful uh, when they're playing in these tournaments and in these games? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that we really emphasize with all of our coaches within our program is to, to kind of gauge your team, engage the talent level of your team. You know, last year we were fortunate to have a, a team that could play at the highest level. You know, they had the mentality of we'll go play anybody anywhere. Um, and they were more focused on the college exposure side. Uh, and they were already, you know, skilled players and they were kind of self-motivated. And in terms of a skill set, you know, we could send workouts and we knew that they would do them at home outside of practice. You know, we would practice three days a week. And when they would come in, you know, yeah, we would do a lot of drills. We would do a lot of, you know, game-like scenarios and things like that. But we were confident that their skills were being developed, you know, at their high schools, at the, you know, we we pulled kids from really good programs, from coaches that we had, you know, previous relationships with um, at the high school level, knowing that they were going to be coached the right way in terms of skill development and that they weren't just going to be able to take, you know, the summer off, show up to a couple practices and, and play in games on weekends. Um, but for a, a team that doesn't have the opportunity to to have that much, you know, self-motivated people, I would say the the misnomer on that is is right. You know, there's not enough skill development. I wish there was more practices and less games. You know, it, it is hard to stay um, hungry to compete on weekends when you're playing five games a weekend. You know, those mm -hmm. losses don't hurt nearly as much as they would say in a high school season. You know, you're playing against a team from, you know, if we're from Cincinnati and we play a team you know, from Arizona per se, 
if we lose that game, how much are kids really, you're never going to see those kids again. You know, how right. much is it really going to affect them? So I think those are absolutely warranted. I think those concerns are definitely one that I wish would be addressed a little bit more. Um, but at least with the Cincy Swish, you know, we do three days a week of practice. We do have uh, a session called Skills and Drills where it's one night dedicated to just skills. We're not playing, we're not scrimmaging, we're not doing drills. It's all individual improvement. If you can throw in a little bit of that, um, I think you can still do what you want with practice on those other days of the week. And then they're getting enough skill development uh, from their high school programs as well. Right, and I, I think that that's something that um, is really important that I didn't quite uh, quite put together, but it makes a lot of sense is if you have the uh, AAU coaches who kind of have that connection with, with the high school coaches and kind of have an understanding of, of, of how those programs work and the skills that they develop and sort of be able to have a more positive and collaborative communication that way. Um, that makes sense to me. A real, real quick question about, you, you mentioned, I, I feel like in, in your area in Cincinnati, there, there's tons of AAU programs and there's tons of teams. Am I correct in thinking that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, are th is there a wide range of uh, coaches in terms of their coaching ability? Are there some coaches that uh, don't really coach anywhere else and they just sort of do their AAU and don't really do any high school uh, basketball at all? Is there kind of like a wide range in that sense? There, there really is. Um, you hit the nail on the head by asking that. Um, you know, with, with Swish, we have nine coaches in our high school program and all nine coach um, at a high school. They're either JV or varsity level coaches. Um, but you would be amazed at the amount of, you know, dads that want to start a program for their kid, you know, and mm -hmm. they are going to be the coach of that team. That happens a lot around here. And then people that just don't want the, the everyday grind or they, you know, they don't have the work schedule to do six days a week during the winter for high school ball. They focus more on AU. So I would say, there's a good mixture. You know, Cincy Swish is one of the few that I know that, you know, we kind of have the standard of you need to coach at a high school if you're going to coach, you know, high school kids, especially mm -hmm. in our area. Um, but there are a ton of, yeah, coaches that I would say actually probably a majority of coaches AU in, in Dayton, Ohio and Cincinnati and even northern Kentucky um, do not coach out of high school. They focus merely on AU and, and that's kind of their niche and that's what they want to do. Um, and we run into that a lot. And that those are the ones where you're kind of concerned because with Cincy Swish, it works out great. You kind of talked about the, the relationship that the AU coaches and the high school coaches have. Those kind of play off each other because as a high school coach, if I send a kid to play for an AU team for my program, I want to know that they're being developed. I want to know that they're with a coach that understands what I'm looking for. You know, I want them to come back and be able to do X, Y, Z, where I think you, you get the bad rap with AU is when those coaches from AU teams that don't coach high school, they are now competing with the high school coach. You know, mm -hmm. you're not working hand in hand. They don't play off of each other. Right. Where in a perfect situation, you know, ideally AU and school ball can play off each other. You have, you know, the entire school season. And then when that ends, you're right into AU. You develop them right up until when they're back in school ball. You know, they don't they don't clash. You're not mm -hmm. trying to change too much. You know, that's the worst thing that we can do as AU coaches is, you know, oh, you play for me now. This is what you should be doing versus what your high school coach wants you to be doing. You know, if I have a a six foot two post player that, you know, averages 18 points a game in high school season with their back to the basket on the post. The worst thing I can do is say, well, we want to turn you into a guard and we're going to really, you know, work on your ball handling and we want you to shoot 23s a game. You know, a lot of mixed messages. It leads to a lot of sour relationships with coaches. So, yeah, I would say that that's definitely important around here. If you can get a high school coach to commit to, you know, and, and that's the hard thing is that, if you want to coach AU and you coach high school, you're committing the year round, right? You know, you're not taking a break. And a lot of coaches, you know, some of the best coaches in Cincinnati, I would say, if you look at the four regional final teams from last year or regional semifinal teams, all four of those high school coaches don't coach AU, mm -hmm. you know, they want that break. They enjoy being invested in their program. So it is hard and it's hard to find people, especially, you know, nobody's in it for the money. If you're coaching <laughs> high school or you're coaching, you know, an AU team, you're not a program director or anything. So it's hard to find guys that are that that are willing to 
commit to that year round. And it's, it's hard on families. You know, I know my fiance, she is the, the best thing ever. She's so supportive. She'll come to tournaments and everything, but you know, we both definitely wish that there was a little bit of a break period and it's hard on, on families and things like that to not have that break. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I can only imagine, especially like you said, for the players, for the coaches, if you're going to go year round, you're going to go to high school, then you're going to go to AAU, there's a player or a coach like that is, like you said, it's a full time commitment, especially mm -hmm. if you do have another job, another responsibility. If you're a teacher or something like that, like it's, right. yeah, things pile up and that's not even talking about your own, your own personal life and your personal time and the things that you want to do with that. So, right. um, but I really like, again, that you mentioned about that collaborative environment where the AAU coach and, and the high school coaches are working together. Um, because that just helps the players development it helps keep the message consistent and like you said an ideal world that that would be what AAU coaches probably would like to do um, something that uh, because of what you what you said uh, something that you said resonated with me and about how there is quite a few AAU coaches who don't coach at a high school level or maybe don't formally coach at all uh, maybe it's that dad who just wants to start a program for their kid and, and things mm -hmm. like that so if you have, a, if there's a situation like that, if there, if there's a dad or, or a mom out there whose heart is in the right place and and they want to be starting an AAU program for the right reasons and 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 they mean well and they're trying to do it to to kind of help the high school program, let's say. Um, if there's coaches out there who want to do that, but they don't really have that formal training, what, what would you tell them in terms of, okay, you have your team. I know you've never really coached before, but what would be like those essential non-negotiable things that they should be either maybe like doing in their practices or in their coaching practices just to kind of get them going if they don't have that experience? Sure, sure. I would say, you know, and I'll preface that by saying, you know, that wasn't a dig by any means at, you know, dads that start programs oh, no. or, or anything like that uh, around here. You know, some of our best 2022, 2023 teams uh, around the Cincinnati area are actually coached by, you know, people with kids on the team that don't coach anywhere else. Um, but I would say, you know, if your heart's in it for the right reason and you can get a group of kids together, I've always been amazed at the amount of resources that are out there um, online. You know, if you can follow, you know, coaches clipboard on Twitter, you know, they're always dropping you know, half court sets and things like that. And the amount of drills and everything that you can just pull from online to, to kind of get yourself started and, and, and go from there and kind of learn as you go. Um, and it's going to be trial and error. You know, I look back to when I started coaching um, and I kind of think about, you know, some of the things I try to do offensively or defensively. And I just, I, what the heck was I doing? You know, I, I want to go back in time and just, you know, go off on me, but um <laughs> You know, I will say utilize resources. You know, if you're going to have kids that play for you, they're going to play for, you know, high school coaches or if you're at the middle school age, reach out to those coaches. Say, hey, what is it that you want me to work on? What is it that you want her, you know, him or her to get better at? Um, and, and surround yourself with people that are that are in it for the right reasons as well. You know, don't you know, we bring in coaches from other programs all the time just to give them a new look. And, and we're always learning as well. You know, reach out to any resource that you possibly could have. You know, nobody knows at all. So one of my favorite things to do is invite, you know, high school coaches from other areas or even college coaches to come in. And, and I'll say, hey, can you run 30 minutes of practice? Show us your best stuff for 30 minutes, you know, that you that you do with your group. And we've, we've taken so much from those outside resources or videos online, you know, sit there and watch YouTube and they'll suggest videos for you for, 20 hours you know about drills and development and things like that uh it's a it's definitely a technology driven culture now to where everybody's sharing everything they do you know trainers are putting out content constantly online coaches are putting out content constantly online they're live streaming clinics you know nabc does a great job of having coaches in you know from 9 a.m till 11 p.m during this covid stuff doing one hour clinics about what they do well yeah. Um, so just taking in that information and trying to figure out what works for you and what works for your team the best is is invaluable. You know, really try and, you know, what are we good at? What do we want our identity to be as a team? Um, and and don't ever, you know, be afraid to reach out to, to coaches because most coaches are willing to share what they do. You know, they're in it for the right reasons. <laughs> like I said, they're not getting paid a ton of money. You know, they want to see good basketball and they want to be willing to help. 
Um, so reach out to them and, and kind of just, just soak it in, you know, get as much information as you can. Well, it makes a lot of sense to me about, about always wanting to make those connections, figure out what's out there already on the internet and what's available because we should all be looking to improve our practice and be looking to improve our coaching. And so uh, there's just an immeasurable amount of resources, like you said. And, and uh, again, I'm really happy that you emphasized about uh, that, that new coach or that one who may not have a lot of formal coaching experience. Please you know, reach out to the, the those players' high school coaches. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm sure uh, I can speak for me. If there's any of my girls that play at AAU and any of those coaches want to reach out to me, I'd be happy to tell you what I run oh, and absolutely. what I do because yeah. uh, then they're going to get better at it when I have them. So, exactly. uh, yeah, it should be. It sounds like to me that it should be a um, collaborative relationship and that. If if the AAU coach is, is kind of extending that olive branch out to the high school coach or vice versa, and we're working together, um, kind of reemphasizing a point we brought up a couple of times that it's definitely just going to help out the player in the long run, not getting mixed messages. And, and the coaching is going to get better on that AAU side because uh, maybe the AAU coach can learn something from a high school coach. High school can learn one from an AAU one. And there, there's just so many opportunities to learn. Absolutely. Sure. Yep. Um, so... Kind of uh, talking about the the high school team versus like the AAU team. AAU team in a high school, uh, it, it's a lot easier, I think, coach, to kind of build uh, more of a team culture because all the players are in the same building. Uh, they probably have classes together. They're all kind of around each other a lot, and there's kind of an identity that forms just with being. Uh, in the same school, but that probably looks a little bit different with an AAU team or an AAU program. So how does the team kind of buy into one another? How, how are you able to kind of build that positive uh, team culture and, and that kind of identity uh, that the players kind of rally behind? Yeah, sure. You know, I'll kind of touch on that on a, a big scale, you know, as Ohio uh, does it. Um, but, you know, some of your most elite teams in Ohio, you know, they face that challenge. Um, you know, the one of the best teams, if not the best team in terms of a high school AU team is, is Sports City U on the girls' side. And they're based out of Ohio. You know, they're perennial power five kids, um, but they're pulling from the north side of the state, the south side of the state. These kids, you know, they come to practice on the weekend. They get together. They practice three times and then they go their separate ways. You know, they meet halfway in the middle in Columbus, Ohio, and, and that's what they do. You know, a lot of AU programs, especially the really good ones, if you want to pull the best players, you're pulling them from from far away and you have to make that work. Um, but I think the time outside of the gym that you can be together is invaluable. You know, if that's your situation, uh, you know, they come and if you stay for a weekend, you know, be together, do team building activities, you know, and like I talked a little bit about before is that players' ability to connect outside of basketball now is at an all-time high through social media, through texting, through through everything. They're always connected. You know, even if you're playing, somebody on your team is, you know, 300 miles away and you guys just see each other on the weekend, you're still connected on Twitter, Instagram, all those things. So that, that part has really changed. I'll say with Cincy Swish is that we draw from a very local pool. Um, and it actually works out in our favor in terms of cohesiveness because we can basically get together, you know, whenever we want. Our 2020 class was all within 30 miles of each other, um, you know, so that allows us to do things outside of basketball, team building activities mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, but it also, you know, they're familiar with each other because they're playing against each other all year, you know, and, and the cool thing to see is when, you know, two of our kids play against each other and the rest of the team shows up to watch and support them and things like that. Yeah. So they're always aware of, of what's going on, um, especially when you're pulling from high level programs that are always competing in the same league and in the tournament and everything. You know, it's funny, our, our 2020 class, we had nine kids on our top roster um, and eight of their high school careers ended by another kid on our team. You know, got knocked out in the tournament. Wow. Um, so it was like just a big Cincy Swish massacre in the tournament. But it was cool. You know, it was cool to see everybody come out and support them. You know, they know that they were on the same team growing up in AU and things like that. Um, and and it's just, it just makes it really cool. But I will say, you know, we treat our AU program kind of like a college program. 
um, in terms of the type of kids we're going at and the type, the way that we evaluate, you know, we're evaluating kids based off of academics, based off of family cohesion, being a good teammate. We ask high school coaches for references. You know, we really probably more so than a lot of other, you know, AU programs in the area do. We're doing our homework on these kids, you know, because at the end of the day, at a high level, a high exposure level, you know, team like our Blue Star team, we have to sell these kids. We have to market them to colleges. They have to market themselves. You know, it's it's a lot easier to market a 28 ACT and a great extracurricular resume than it is to market, you know, a, a 17 year old or a 17 ACT with multiple <laughs> suspensions in school and things like that. So I think yeah. bringing in the right type of people, the right type of families that are all in it for the same reasons, and that kind of feeds off itself. You know, when those kids realize, you know, we're here for the same reason, we all want to play at the next level. How do we achieve that goal together while maintaining a little bit of individuality, you know, in the way that we get recruited and things like that. But I'm going to go my hardest because it might get an open shot for somebody else that's playing in front of a coach that's recruiting them, mm -hmm. you know. So when you can get a roster that's, you know, buys into the same goal of, hey, we all want to play in college. We're all here for the same reasons. The families are on the same page. You know, we need to do everything we can to make each other look good. Then, you know, that that speaks for itself. That goes a, a really long way. And. You know, I'll say that um, the kids have to be self-motivated, too. You know, we the worst thing that we can do is get a kid in our program that isn't willing to reach out to coaches or just expects, you know, their parents or their coaches to do everything. You know, we think that a lot of our contact with college coaches should honestly come from the kid. Because I can call a coach right now and say, hey, you should take a look at this kid. And whether they do or not, they're getting – a hundred of those calls a day from from a ton of AU coaches. But when a kid reaches out and they're personable and they present themselves well and they say, hey, you know, this is my standardized test score. This is my GPA. This is, you know, the high school program I play. This is our record, things like that. That speaks volumes. So doing it the right way and making sure that they're self-motivated, those are the types of kids that we want in our program. You know, kids that can market themselves, which makes it easier for the program to market them to coaches down the line. Well, I, I like that, that that final thought there that you said about the players being self-motivated and, and wanting to market themselves because, like you said, if you make that call to a college, maybe as a college uh, coach might be thinking, well, do, do you, the player, want to come to my school or does your coach want me to come right. or want exactly. you to come to my school? And, and there, there's such a big difference in the way that that presentation happens and, and the way that it goes. And so uh, I like the idea of, of the players kind of all wanting to help each other and they're, they're kind of all in this together and kind of establishing establishing, like you said, the tone right away. And so with that, a question that popped into my head, especially for maybe those looking to start uh, an AAU program, especially those who are maybe looking to start an AAU program that's more built on uh, helping the players succeed in high school. Mm -hmm. how, how does the how does that conversation work uh, with parents, especially maybe for those coaches who don't really have a lot of experience uh, working with other parents who have parents who have kids who are going to be on their team? Um, is there any advice that you would recommend and how to deal with parents, especially if you're a program that's maybe not going to right away be, be sending those kids off to college? Is there a certain like needing? Is there a certain standard? Is there a certain communication style that helps make the relationship with parents uh, more positive and collaborative one? Yeah, I would say, you know, where we found we've been most successful is just absolute honesty. You know, say this is what our program is. And again, when I talked about building an AU program and what's important, establishing that identity. You know, our AU program is not for everybody. And, and we understand that. And, there, you know, that could be said about any AU program. You know, but I would say in terms of if you're starting up and you're not really into the, the high level exposure type, I would say this is our product. This is what we're going to do. Um, you know, these are the resources that we're going to try and use. We're open to having other coaches come in and coach. But at the end of the day, you know, you know that your kid's going to be taken care of. They're going to get a lot of skill development and, you know, that can be used as an advantage you know a lot of parents just want their kids to get better for high school season and that's great you know whereas 
the high level exposure teams, you're not like I, I said before with us, we're not, you know, hammering skills every practice. We're doing a lot of game like scenarios, how to read, react, things like that when we play against, you know, bigger, you know, power five type teams. So that can be used to an advantage. If you want, if you find a parent or a kid that wants to just develop their skills and hey, you can come here and you're going to get five games in on the weekend, but you're also going to get three days a week of skill development. I think that can that can be very attractive to a kid that that wants that as their end goal. You know, the high school level that I just want to be good in high school and things like that. Um, so I definitely think there's advantages that you can use with that pitch. Of you know, like I said, we're going to focus on X, Y, Z. If that fits your model, then this is the perfect place for you. You know, you're going to be cared for. Um, but the the last thing that you should do is is again be dishonest or or try and pitch a product that you don't have. You know that's going to lead to a ton of problems down the road that honestly aren't worth it for the parents, the kid, or the coach. You know that's a that's a bad feeling um, to present something and then it doesn't work out that way. Uh, so again, use your use your strengths to your advantage and don't be afraid to flaunt it and and have that identity. I think that would speak volumes if I was a parent. And somebody came to me and said, hey, we're not the high-level exposure team. We're not going to be going to all these national tournaments. We're going to play a local schedule. It's going to save you money, but you're going to get this much skill development. You're going to get, you know, to play with kids from other high school programs, get a new perspective on coaching, maybe learn a couple of things that you wouldn't have learned in high school because there's there's going to be differences in the mm -hmm. coaching. If you, can, if you can pitch that and you can get them on board, then I, I think you'll be, you know, you'll be gold. Everybody will be happy. And, and that's the expectation. You know, there's no expectation. If they come back to you and say, well, why isn't my kid getting recruited? You can always go back to that first conversation and say, I laid this out. This is our identity. I said, we're going to be a skill base, this and that. And, mm -hmm. and there, there's no hard feelings, you know, and that's, that's something that, you know, we've seen work around here. There's a ton of great programs in Cincinnati and even Dayton and Northern Kentucky that that's their niche is we're going to go, we're going to play local tournaments. You're going to get better for your high school season. And that's the expectation, you know, so it, it works. It's not something that people should shy away from. AU doesn't have to be this big cash cow. You know, everybody goes and tries to get recruited or get an endorsement deal for their team and this and that, you know, there's a lot of other side of AU that that kind of go unnoticed that I wish got emphasized a little bit more, um, especially because not every kid's going to play in college. You know, mm. you know that the the margin of kids that get to play at the next level is so small. Right. How do you make sure that those other kids are are doing what they're supposed to be doing and get a good opportunity to, to develop? And that's something that that I'm thankful that we have a lot of in this area. Well, uh, it, it seems like you emphasize, and I completely agree, just honesty and transparency about, you know, what your program is, what it stands for, and what you're going to get out of it. And a thought that came to mind as you were giving that explanation is that any AAU program, like there, there is no AAU program that's for everybody. And, and you can't be for everybody. You have to have that identity. You have to have um, your your goals in mind and just be very transparent about and, and I think especially for those coaches who may not have a lot of experience whether it's of teaching or, or even of coaching um, having that conversation right on the onset right at the very beginning saying this is what's going to happen this is what it's going to look like will probably save you so many headaches uh, oh, down the line right so yep. uh, what well, one other one one other question that that came to mind too is I was thinking as you were talking was when you have that program that's more developing high school players and helping them be more successful in high school, and let's say a coach has been doing that for a couple of years, and then they realize that they, they might have a couple of players who may uh, actually have the ability to kind of move on to the next level, or they're thinking, well, they might, they just need to have somebody to kind of take a look at them. I know you said that the players do need to advocate for themselves, but is there a way for, or like a kind of a blueprint for coaches who may have some of those players who they think coaches should be looking at? Is there a way that those coaches can kind of establish or network their way with uh, different colleges or universities? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, honestly, this is kind of the part where AU gets to be a little bit nasty and, and mm -hmm. gets a ton of its reputation is, you know, if you do develop kids, and this has been the biggest complaint of programs around here, um, and we've actually had a couple kids leave our program to go to bigger programs, is if you are good, then other AU programs are going to come knocking on the door. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to go reach out to those parents 
and the kids and say, hey, you know, we have, you know, exposure opportunities and things like that. Um, and then it just becomes a, a war. Um, you know, I would I would be lying if I said we're not guilty of it. You know, <laughs> every kid that we have essentially comes from other programs. You know, we we do have a feeder program, but on the Blue Star top team, you know, we're going out and we're evaluating kids that have reached out to us um, about playing for uh, a program that can get them a little bit uh, more exposure. Now, I will say if you have a kid that's invested in you and they stay in your program, there's a ton of platforms around um, to get that word out and to reach coaches. And when I was at Madeira, the small, you know, D3 school in Ohio, we had two kids that we really wanted to get seen, but they weren't getting a ton of exposure because they were playing division three, small school girls basketball. You know, they weren't at one of the big Catholic school powers, the big public schools. Um, and I started by putting together film. I think film is invaluable, but not just highlights. Um, you know, coaches at the next level are really starting to emphasize they want full game film, you know, three or four games where they can watch that player from start to finish because they're evaluating so much more. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's easy to make a kid look good by putting together a three-minute highlight film of what they do well in their best plays. But what are they doing when they're not making those plays? That's what the, the coaches are, are wanting to see. And that's what, you know, if I'm evaluating a kid for our program, that's what I want to see. You know, are they taking plays off defensively? Do they communicate well? What are they doing when they get taken out? You know, are they in good spirits walking off the bench? Are they a good teammate? How's their fundamentals? You can't really see that from highlights. Highlights are great. It definitely piques the attention, but the full game film is what is what coaches are looking for, and that's where they're ultimately making their decisions is by watching those full game film on who to offer and who they want to be a part of their program. So I would say compiling film is important, even if it's just filming, you know, an NAU game or a scrimmage or anything like that. Right now with the COVID going on, you have to get anything you can get, you know, in terms of film. So you know, if it's a scrimmage or whatnot, or, or if you can get some, some film from these tournaments, that's great. Um, but I would say send those out. I emailed hundreds of coaches, um, you know, that I had never met before that said, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is the program. I have this kid. Take a look at them if you're interested. This is my contact information. This is her contact information. That's great. If not, I appreciate your time. Hope to run into you down the line. You know, it. Don't be offended by by no. You're going to get 100 no's for every one yes that you get in terms of kids getting recruited. And that's a hard thing to learn, and that's a hard thing to adjust to. Um, but there are platforms out there. One that we use for Cincy Swish um, is a website called sportsrecruits.com. And they are a recruiting platform for all different kinds of sports for high schools. But it allows athletes to have profiles and on that profile you can upload school transcripts film extracurricular you know a little bit of a resume everything that a coach needs to see is housed in that one thing so you're not sending a blind email um, to these coaches they're actually paying for a subscription to this website and i would say 90 percent of college basketball coaches on the girl side use that site you know mm -hmm. and then as a coach the thing that i love about it is as a coach or an admin i can see every bit of activity that occurs on those students' profile pages. So if a coach watches film, I get a notification saying, Coach X from College X watched this film. Or if that kid sends a message or a coach sends a message to that player, I can see that message. And if they don't respond, I can send the kid a text saying, hey, you got this message. Is there a reason you haven't responded? Or if there's a profile view or a video view from a certain coach, I can reach out to that coach and say, hey, notice you watched, you know, Sally's film yesterday. Is there anything I can do? Is there any more film I can send you? Is there a time to set up and talk about, you know, what she does or what you're looking for in your program? And it's just a really good way to house that. So there's resources out there. Um, there's probably a hundred different ones that are just like sports recruits. That's just the one that we use and we've had success with, but just reaching out and getting the name out is important, whether it's going onto the athletic department website of a college and going to their roster and their coaching page and pulling all the emails of the coaching staff from that website and sending them an email with film and things like that. There's ways to get it out. So I would just say, be proactive as much as you can. You know, like I said, you're going to get a hundred no's or maybe even no responses to every one yes, but that one yes is a four-year education, mm -hmm. you know, and a chance to play at the next level. And that's all it takes. 
you know, so it's great to have options and, and you kind of have to weigh, but be, be one thing I'll say is also be practical. You know, if you have a kid and it's harder for newer coaches starting out, you know, to be unbiased, you know how it is. You're coaching oh, your yeah. own kid. You think they're the best <laughs> thing ever. You know, you would take them over any other kid, but are they really, you know, what level should they be evaluated at? And that's something that you can reach out to other coaches and say, hey, do you think this kid can play D3, D2? Are they a D1 caliber player? Maybe NAIA that, that other coaches that have been doing it for a long time have a little bit more advice to give. But, you know, be practical. One of the worst things you can do is have a kid that, you know, probably projects at an NAIA or D3 level and you're reaching out, sending film to, you know, Duke and North Carolina. And they're, <laughs> they're you know, wasting their time. Then they put a negative, you know, asterisk next to your name to where next time you email them, they're going to say, that's the guy that wasted my time with such mm -hmm. and such. We're not even going to look at it. Mm -hmm. So being practical, but not being afraid to be proactive. It's a, it's a very fine line. It's a hard balance to figure out. Um, you definitely gain experience over time evaluating players and what level. And those are hard conversations that, that you have to have with your, your players as well and their parents. You know, there's always going to be parents that think they're kids, similar to the high school coach, that think they're, <laughs> they're better than they are. You know, yeah. and, and if I get a kid that comes in and says, hey, can you send my film to Gino at UConn and Tennessee and they average, you know, two points a game and one re rebound on JV – you know, it might be it might be time to have a conversation saying this is where you're at. But I feel like as as AU coaches and high school coaches, that's our responsibility is to be and it's it's not going to be always what they want to hear. You know, and that's the hard conversations that you have to have. Um, but being practical while being proactive is, is the best way to do it. You know, get the name out. Um, but like I said, get the name out to who it should be sent to you know, find that line and, mm -hmm. and use those resources. But it's definitely possible. You know, there's so many resources, like I said, out there to get that that information out. Well, I, I really like that you emphasized about not being afraid uh, of rejection. You reach out, like I said, 100 coaches and one response. Great. You got one response. Like, that should be what you're celebrating. You know, you got to kind of take your ego out uh, in terms of, like, feeling rejected or whatever. Because once you get that one response or two response, that's – really what what the whole point is and so i'm really happy that you mentioned that and another thing too i want to emphasize is about uh the sending a full game film and making sure that it's not just like a highlight reel or anything like that because uh the a full game film will just tell you so much more um mm -hmm. and and not only uh, and you mentioned this earlier, not just like a full game film, but also like a kind of a full student profile. Uh, I have a girl who I was lucky enough to coach um, in middle school who's being kind of looked at at that NAIA D3 level. And if you looked at her on uh, on a highlight film, I could make her look great. Um, if you, But if you looked at her in the full game, you, you realize more of what she's doing. Uh, sure. All the right things, you know, uh, like you said about the way that she comes off the floor, all the things she does when she doesn't have the ball. But... She also has a 4.2 GPA and is like really involved in a bunch of things too. And so, yep, you know, making sure, you're putting, yep. Yep, making sure you're putting that out there as well. So I definitely agree. Well, uh, to, to wrap up, there's a couple of things I want to do here, coach. The, the, the first thing I want to do is I want to kind of dive into um, a coaching moment of yours throughout your coaching career, whether it's AAU or otherwise. Uh, what is a coaching moment of yours that you think others listening can learn from? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. There's there's so many, you know, little coaching moments that, that stick out. And, you know, like I said, I've been very fortunate to be associated with a lot of great people um, that have really, you know, led me in the right direction and, and been a big part of my career. Um, but one that's really stuck out, it was when I was an assistant coach, brand new, first year coaching high school um, at Madeira High School. And we had had a player that went to play at a division three school in Lexington, Kentucky, Transylvania University. Um, and we had a really good relationship with their college coach. And, you know, I thought it was so cool to have this connection with this college coach. You know, I could text that, you know, text her, her name's Julie Folk. She's still there now as a head coach uh, and ask her questions and things like that. Well, she actually agreed to come up and sit down with our high school coaching staff and kind of go over our personnel a little bit. You know, we were all kind of new we didn't really know, you know, what we were doing. We wanted to get an opinion of a college coach about what offense we should be running based off of our personnel, kind of pitch that, you know, here's some ideas. Do you think this would work? Would this not work? Um, 
And the head coach that I was coaching under called me and said, Hey, you know, coach folks is coming up Thursday night, have all of your stuff ready. You know, we want you to kind of run the offense. And, you know, I took that as like the coolest thing ever. Um, mm -hmm. And I was uh, spending all this time on YouTube, just watching games and watching, <laughs> you know, offensive systems and this and that. And yep. I probably put in 60 to 65 hours of, preparing for this meeting because I was just gonna I was gonna change basketball I was gonna blow <laughs> her out she was gonna hire me on the spot Ugh. it was gonna it was gonna be awesome I was gonna blow you know blow it out of the water she was gonna say this is the greatest thing since sliced bread awesome so I come in I, that night is the meeting at the high school I walk in and she says you know we we get to talking and she says okay what are you guys thinking about doing offensively and I you know the coach kind of gave me the nod and I was like, all right, this is my big moment. I'm so excited. You know, here we go. I get up to the board and I said, you know, I've been watching a ton of UConn women's play and they run this pistol offense that I love. It's got a pass to a big and the high post and it's a handoff and there's a bunch of reads off of it and nobody can stop it. And she said, she looked me dead in the eye. She said, don't even put it on the board. She said, tear that page up. And I said, what do you, I, I was like devastated. I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, do you have, you know, they had a six, eight post at the time that could pass and shoot. She was like, do you have this player? You know, do you have Sue Bird coming off the screen? Do you have, you know, this person? And I said, well, no, you know, we're a division three school. And she said, I'll never forget. She said, not everything that works for other teams is going to work for you. You know, be individual, focus on your personnel and really try and find things that play to the strengths of your players and not something that you saw on tv with an nba team running and that from that day on that i mean that changed everything of how i look at things from a tactical and x's and o's standpoint um from that one meeting just of playing to the strengths of your players now it's great everybody steals inbounds plays you know you might have a play here an offensive set here but from an offensive and defensive perspective really emphasizing and focusing on what your players abilities are and what their strengths are and what works for you is not going to work for everybody else just like what you know works for UConn isn't going to work for a division three high school team um, so keeping that in perspective and I've taken that and it's always stuck in the back of my head and playing to your strengths and developing a system based on your personnel and that might change every year you know you might be at a school and you have two six foot post players that are seniors and then the next year you have all guards you're not going to run the same offensive system so play to your personnel play to their strengths and really you know put a lot of time and emphasis because that's how you're going to be successful is putting those in those kids in a position to play to their strengths and be successful based off of their capabilities and abilities so that's one that always always stuck stuck in my head it was like the most degrading moment ever but it's one that i would not trade for the you know, the entire world. Well, uh, I, it, it's so common, though. It, it's such a common thing for us to, to see, you know, something being run on YouTube or see something at, like, one of these really awesome, like, clinics that's like, oh, this is great. Uh, if I put this in, like, nobody's going to ever stop us. And then it's like, right. well, do I have the personnel? Do, can I even run that? And then, as you said, being able to adapt year to year to make sure that what you're running fits who you have because you can only coach the players that you have uh, on your team. So yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you're able to, to share that, even though I'm sure it was a little bit embarrassing at the yeah, time. No, but obviously, it was such a moment of growth for you. So yeah. to wrap up, Coach, I want to uh, give you uh, what I call my 60-second soapbox, where you can kind of give your final thoughts. The floor is yours to discuss or get an idea out that maybe you haven't touched yet or to wrap up some idea that you mentioned earlier. So floor is yours, Coach. What do you got? Yeah. Um, so first off, you know, thanks for allowing me to be here. You know, I had a blast. Anytime I can talk hoops during the whole COVID thing with anybody, you know, I love to jump on the opportunity. Um, but I will leave it with a quote actually from a book I just read um, called All In. And it was written by Loyola Chicago's men's basketball coach, Porter Moser, um, who took Loyola to the final four a couple years ago. Uh, great book. Any coach or even any player that that likes you know to read or wants to read up on some basketball material definitely jump into that but it's um his motto for his team is how you think is how you feel how you feel is how you act and how you act is what defines you 
And I think that's so important for people to hear from a coaching perspective is it starts with your mentality and that mentality then goes to how you act and how you portray yourself and carry yourself. And if you have the right attitude and the commitment, you know, the sky's the limit, but it starts with your mentality. Anytime that you can, you know, obtain information or learn, you know, take those opportunities. Don't ever think that you know it all because nobody does. Um, but for players as well, if you have a good attitude, no matter how bad the situation, you know, that turns to how you act and then that turns how you play and that becomes your identity. So I think that's important. I thought it was a cool quote. You know, I've, I've put it on social media and I've kind of told my kids that um, both in the high school level and the AU program that it starts with that mentality. So I thought I would share it with, uh, with your listeners. No, I love it. Makes sense. You know, attitude is everything. The mentality is everything. And that will define who you are as a person. So absolutely agree. Well, uh, I want to thank you again, uh, Coach Ledoon, for joining us and sharing some great insight about basketball and also about AAU itself. Thank you so much. Good luck this season, Coach. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem. Uh, this was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.